Hi and welcome to the Psyche Podcast where we discuss all things mindset, mental well-being and living your best life. I'm your host Hannah and I'm a mindset and mental well-being coach and founder of Psyche Coaching. Welcome and we hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome back. Hope you've had a great week. I've do you know what? I've had a busy fortnight um, with podcast interviews. It has really gone wild. It's been busy to the point where this week I've got five interviews scheduled and that's a quiet week. But it's been so, so interesting to talk to lots of amazing people all around the world. And I'm really excited to bring out some, just some great episodes, I think. I'm a bit biased, um, but in in the coming weeks and months, I mean that's I think one of the great things about podcasting is to hear lots of diverse views and opinions and perspectives on stuff, and you know really that is what's going to be coming your way. So that's super exciting, and I also haven't updated on my mindset master challenge that I was talking about in 2019, and honestly. I have not done much towards it. I've been in the gym, my usual routine, um, but in terms of running and the swimming, I've not done a huge amount. But I have had now my first run of the year. It was a three-mile run. I ran way more than I thought it would, so quite pleased with that. But again, I need to get, I need, I want to get back in, get back, start um, a routine of consistently running not very often but just doing it and I've been in the water I have had my first wild swim of the year and so I haven't been properly wild swimming since probably the summer last year when the river was in spate and and wasn't safe anymore and uh, regular listeners will know the river is my favorite place to swim so I've been to a lake a couple of times and just dipped in because it was very cold but on Sunday, uh, actually Saturday night, a, uh, a friend that I've not seen for quite a while uh, posted on Facebook about going for a swim to this this diving center that has wild swimming. And I don't know, I just, I just, maybe it's just living in the moment more. I just thought, why not? I'll message and just go for it. So Sunday morning, uh, not super early, but about 10 o'clock we went. And I had probably between 10 and 15 minutes in the water swimming. And it was cold. (laughs) It was about seven or eight degrees. And my hands were numb, my feet were numb. And so I have now invested in just some gloves and some little shoe boot thingies. Because I think without, without that coldness and that just numbness in my hands, particularly my hands, but also my feet a little bit, I would have been happy staying in the water longer. But I feel like I've sort of broken through uh, a barrier now and had my first swim of the season of the year. And I'm hoping to go at least once a week from now on. And then as soon as I can in the spring, summer, get back in the river every day. So I'm pleased and I'm just sort of sharing that with you that kind of living in the moment and just kind of going for it, but also making some progress in that challenge that I had set myself. I want to say thank you again to Cassie, who was our guest last week, for just a really interesting 
and informative and I think really inspiring for, for mothers conversation about maternal mental health or postpartum mental health which is a topic I know she's really passionate about talking about and raising awareness about and I'm really excited to welcome or introduce this week's guest Henry who is equally passionate about his own area and he's a men's coach I'll let him kind of introduce himself in more detail when we get into the podcast but this whole episode is going to be talking about men's mental health. We're going to talk about vulnerability. We're going to talk about how men can learn to recognize their emotions and express them and, and all that kind of stuff. And this is a topic that is starting to be talked about more, but it's an area that is still so, so important to talk about and and I guess to raise awareness about. So before we jump into the conversation about men's mental health with Henry, I just wanted to share some statistics about men's mental health. So this is coming from mentalhealth.org.uk. In England, around one in eight men have a common mental health problem. However, as we'll talk about in this episode, men may be more reluctant to seek support for their mental health or disclose their mental health problems. Though the difficulties that are experienced by both men and women may be the same, actually the impact may be different because of these societal expectations, traditional gender roles, etc. And, and Henry does a great job of discussing those in detail in this episode. Men tend to be less likely to access psychological therapies than women and the suicide rates for, for men are much higher than for females. So for example, in 2017, 5,821 suicides were recorded in Great Britain and of those, 75% were males and it is the largest cause of death for men under 50. And this just really highlights the need for the conversation that you're going to listen to today for encouraging men to seek support if they are struggling. And it's something that we we all may struggle with at some point in our lives, that there may be things such as difficulties with your work, with unemployment, relationship breakdown, family issues, etc. And we we can seek support during those times and there is plenty of support available out there for example you can contact the Samaritans specifically for men there is the campaign against living miserably or calm the men's health forum and Henry also offers men's coaching which we'll talk about and has a Facebook group as well that you can go to for support but as we'll discuss one of the most difficult things can be that initial reaching out for support so hopefully you will find this episode informative. Hopefully it will give some comfort that, you know, the things that you may be experiencing are normal. They are something that lots of people go through. When I say about mental health experiences being normal, I'm talking purely statistically. Obviously, everyone's own personal struggles are unique to them. And this is not in any way to diminish what people are experiencing there is support there and reaching out and asking for support it can be difficult but it is so worth it and you'll find that if you take that leap there is support there there are people who can help you and that's something that we'll discuss in a lot more in this episode so thank you again to henry for joining me and i really hope that you find value in this conversation 
Hi, everyone. I'm really excited to welcome this week's guest, Henry. Thank you for joining us. And if you would like to introduce yourself to listeners and tell them a little bit about you and what you do. Well, hello, Hannah. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, I am coming out of the flu, so I'm a bit bunged up. So I apologize to all the listeners. And hello, everyone. If I'm in your ears right now, it's magnificent to be here. So my name is Henry Johnston. I wear a few hats in terms of what I do, but most notably, I'm a men's coach where I help men vocalize their emotions and gain uh, emotional intimacy, which helps them become respected, adored and celebrated. And I also coach young men as they go through that really precious time when they're kind of 16 going on to 23, where I found from my own experience that mental health problems are more likely to manifest because it's a period of huge uncertainty. And I come in as a safety blanket, someone who isn't a parent or a teacher, and I hold them through and help them sort of become the man that they're always meant to be. And also, I use creativity and metal work. And I'm the only coach, as far as I know, in the world that does this and I use metal work as a way for men to symbolize something that means to them their transformation that was a terrible sentence please forgive me but they, they come on my retreats <laughs> and they make something that means something to them and and symbolizes the kind of man who they are becoming and then they leave the retreats and it's all part of my coaching program I, I have a podcast as well but on a brief hiatus from that at the moment so I think that is oh and I, I love dogs as well so do I. We can definitely talk about dogs a lot. <laughs> so creativity is something that we talked about a couple of episodes ago with our mm. guest, Hannah, another Hannah. Um, mm. And I think it's something that is really important and is a real, can be a real way in. And I suppose um, something like metalwork, which is maybe more traditionally masculine, air quotes, mm. if you like, do you find that that's a creative inroad to something that maybe more difficult for men to do to kind of open up and talk about their feelings because as a society though I mean there's so much we could talk about isn't there about yeah I think metal work is traditionally seen as quite a masculine thing I, I do have a few female clients and whereas with the men mm -hmm. we always talk about accessing the king energy but with the women that I coach you know I give them a choice is it is it a queen or is it the goddess that you're accessing and it's more often than not it's the goddess and that works in exactly mm -hmm. the same way within the metal work. And I'll go into why that works. Now, put a man into a metal work studio, tell him he's creative and help him make something. He'll be able to make something. You know, we, we are all creative. Anyone listening who's rolling their eyes thinking, I'm not creative. You are. You are absolutely creative. Just no one's shown you how to unlock that part of yourself. But the reasons why my approach works so well is that the whole experience is facilitated so when the men come they've already been coaching with me they have a little bit of idea about their emotions but they are in a situation where they are with other men we have group work where we talk about the behaviors that they want to leave behind the bad experiences that have shaped them up until this point they go into the workshop and something magic happens now creativity as you said, very correctly, is a way in to that which we find sometimes impossible to vocalize. It's the energy, it's the emotion, and it's by no coincidence that people make things like very specific things because they get into their emotions and their emotions start to take control and it gets whoever's making it into a, a creative flow. So they create intuitively that 
which is happening inside them. And it is absolute magic. No word of a lie. I have seen guys who have kind of struggled through three months of coaching and they've done the retreat and that was it. Haven't ever needed coaching ever again. Mm, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And I wonder whether, because I, um, my background sort of in education and I've mm. worked with young people who've got a lot of complex mental health uh, stuff going on. And sometimes it, it might be something creative or it might just be, a, you know, a different activity that we get involved in makes it so much easier to then have that emotional conversation because it's almost yeah. a distraction. So sometimes they're not aware really of what they're talking about. It just kind of yeah. flows because their focus is on something yeah. else. And I wonder if that's what you see. Yeah, I think I think once we move, like that, if, if we go to talking about the, the young people that I work with, they're very used to sitting in, say, a rectangle room within a classroom and being sort of directed to speak about something which they have no vocabulary to speak about. It's very hard to say, how are you feeling, for someone to then articulate how they're feeling if they've never been taught on how to feel or how to recognize feeling. Mm -hmm. Take them out of that situation into a, you know, make sure it's a safe situation, get them using their body, and they immediately start to express themselves in a way which they have not done before. And it's then we can ask the question. It was like, what feeling would you associate this body movement with? You know, when when you're using the angle grinder, what does that feel like to you? And they might say, it feels quite a, a, like aggressive. It's like, yes, aggressive. That's amazing. What else is there? You know, and gradually, bit by bit, we can peel back the layers. So I am a big believer in getting kids out of the classroom and into nature around doing exciting things which they would never normally do mm. and I think something that you said there about helping give them the language because I think we sometimes think that we don't need to teach about emotions and about understanding them recognizing them in yourself but if no one explains to you actually when this is happening in your body this is possibly what you're feeling how do you how do you figure it out well, that's you know? it. Like, there's this, there's this kind of sense, and I don't know whether you experienced this growing up, that I kind of felt like I, I was felt very confused when I was growing up. Didn't know what these feelings were, but I, I understood that they kind of work their way out. Like, it would be okay sometime in the future, and I'd just figure it out. But no one ever figures it out because no one's been told how to figure it out. You know, and the, the noticing bodily sensations is really powerful because then. And my clients can say, okay, I'm not sure what the emotion is, but I feel a real heaviness, a real hotness in the middle of my chest. And I'll say, okay, so what does that feel like? Like, what kind of sensations are this? Like, it's really hot. And if that looked like something, can you draw that? And they're like, I can't draw. I'm like, well, you can draw. You, you absolutely can draw. So let's like, I'll, like, I'll do it. And they go, no, 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 it's, it's, it's not like that. It's like, it's like this. And they'll show me. And then bit by bit, we build up this really clear, sometimes beautiful drawing of the emotional states and that's the power of emotions is they're not they're not purely based within well well they, they can't be based within any kind of intellectualizing mm. yeah it's definitely a, a different element if you like within the brain and I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to the brain and oh, stuff amazing. Like that. but yeah they're, they're we kind of have this intellectual side and this emotional side and sometimes they link up and sometimes they don't and we can kind of yeah, be really mismatched in in how they are. And I think sometimes we, and I'm very guilty of this, I get, I'm very much in the intellectual side and sometimes out of touch with that mm. emotional side of myself. And it, so it's something that trying to recognize the stuff in my body and 
and what that means for how I'm feeling yeah. is uh, something that I'm working on. So thank you for yeah. the reminder well, to you. Uh, I think generally people are one way or the other, you know, either overly intellectualizing mm-hmm. things that therefore the emotional doesn't come into it because emotions conflict with logic because they're not logical. They're a bit kind of off and you can't, they're not tangible. Whereas, you know, I'm more in the emotion side. So when I was going through my journey, I was off there and logic kind of confused me. I was like, why would I want to put things into boxes like lists? Don't tell me to do lists. Oh my God. But today I love lists. Lists are amazing. <laughs> they give me order. And I think it's all about bringing those two together so that the emotion is tempered like you would uh, temper a sword out of a forge you temper it you make it stronger with the logic and then the emotion comes to the logic and gives it a little bit more breathing room a little bit more perspective so that's where I'm always working towards with myself and my clients is to enter that congruent space where we become whole using all of the elements of awareness that we are born with Mm, that's amazing that idea of yeah, being a whole person and mm. bringing it all together. And um, I think creativity, you said something there about people saying, oh, I can't draw. Mm. And I think when we've talked about creativity before in the podcast, I think when we're younger, we are so creative, aren't we? We're always drawing and inventing stuff. And then for a lot of us, as we get older, either that that insecurity about it, if I can't do this very well, so I'm not going to do it, or I need to get air quotes proper job I can't just keep being creative I think for a lot of people we lose that creativity and it's such a powerful outlet because it is so much emotion based isn't it if you think about great pieces of art or music there's so much emotion I think the uh the the change comes is when we go into secondary school and we're introduced into this very binary way of thinking. It's either right or it's not right. And you have to be right because being right is the only way to be right and to move on. And when you like, I went to art school, I studied art and it was a massive waste of time because I'm a strong believer that everybody is creative. Everybody has a soul. Everybody has the ability to express themselves and it is as unique as their DNA is to them. When you think about art university, it's like, well, no, that art is bad art. Like this is this is good art. You want to be good art, which it just should never, ever, ever be in the artistic space. Everybody's expression is their own. And it is just I love it when people come and go, I'm just not, I don't know why I'm here. I'm I'm not creative. And I go, You are, you are so creative. And they're like, I'm not, I'm okay. Okay. And then I take them through. And do you know what? They might be really logical but they will still be creative. They will make geometric sculptures that fit together perfectly and are very technical. It still requires creativity to do that. And when they recognize that, it's just so beautiful. So like, I am creative, aren't I? It's like, yes, you are. (laughs) Yeah, and I think we can be creative even if we're not creating art, even just generally in life in the way that you approach problems or um, the way you view things, you can have a creative approach to things. But I think the the point you made about art school is almost trying to impose that intellectual on the on the art isn't it that very, intellectual this is so. good or not good or yeah it's uh it it divides art you know it is very it is almost the ex- the soulful expression has to go through compartmentalizing and filters 
which isn't the way I believe it should be. Art should be an expression. All creativity is an expression of the way that we navigate the world. And as you say, like everyone, if someone hasn't picked up a pencil in their whole life or done any metalwork, they're still creative in the way that they think about problems. Like my sister-in-law is a lawyer and she's like, I've never touched painting in my life. I'm not creative. And I go, yes, you are. The way that you approach problems and find solutions in your work, that that says very clearly how creative you were. I suppose it's having a narrow view of what creative means, isn't it? We sort of limit um, ourselves or don't view it as part of who we are if we've got this narrow understanding of what it means. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely is it's wider it's, than that. It's devalued as well. Mm. Like as I, I, I set up my own business as an artist. I did you know quite well for myself. But telling people that you're an artist, they still say, oh, right, and, and what's your real job? everywhere in society expressing yourself in that way is devalued which is just just drives me bonkers really does because there's a huge devaluing going on where the intellectual size and being right is way above anything that requires sort of creativity Mm. and i think that's so interesting when if you think about the things that we spend our spare money on if you like we go to the cinema which is a type of art we listen to music we maybe go to galleries or we read books or different types of creative arts but if you're creating it it's maybe not seen as a real job but we all yeah. appreciate the value in our own specific preferred art form yeah and it's it's funny isn't it? i just thought that it's funny like there are there are book writers authors there we go that's the right word (laughs) there are authors there are singers there are dancers all within celebrity culture and they're accepted because they're in celebrity culture because they have been given worth of fame which then is used as leverage to make that's okay but you know if you don't have that then it can be a big struggle to to actually start the the conversation with oneself like is this is this going to work for me am i going to be recognized am i happy in doing this well all these messages come through is like well you're not going to be happy unless you get it right how are you going to get it right henry what like what are you doing spending your time being a sculptor you know all this kind of inner dialogue which really really damages and really you know what however a human decides to express themselves that is okay Mm, i think that celebrity thing is a big part of that being i guess legitimate as an Mm. artist because you could be successful and earn a good living but if you don't have that like you said fame that people recognize you as an artist then Mm. yeah I imagine there's still that um, parents as a classic one maybe going oh when are you going to get a real job even Mm. if you have got a job that is paying your way if you like Mm. it's yeah I I think when parents I mean, obviously, a lot of my clients, you know, their parents are a big part in their lives. And often they're running on a narrative which they inherited from their parents about values and how you operate in a world and what they don't. And it's they're not doing this because they're nasty. They just aren't books to tell them the, the, the right way to go about in nurturing their children in the way that they need. You know, it's a it's a toolkit that they don't have. But, you know, if your child loves art and struggles with academia then trying to force them into an academic hole is is, it's like taking a a round peg and trying to fit it into a square hole it's not going to work it's going to create a a lot of conflict and there's going to be a lot of problems manifested later on in frustration and self-worth in that value of doing something that they love but not being recognized for it and this is all and I work with parents as well it's like well little Jimmy he loves art 
So how's this for you? How like what would it mean for you to really instead of forcing him to do these classes that he really doesn't enjoy? How would you feel about paying for an art studio for him to go and express himself? You know, and once they do that, immediately the value goes into what little Jimmy's doing. And he absolutely loves it and he feels supported and he gets that wonderful thing, which is inner knowledge and inner happiness. And this, this truth that at a very young age, he's stepping into his truth, who he is, what he loves. And doing that, it is like an intervention to, mm. to mental health problems manifesting later on, identity problems, social situations, social anxieties, all this. It can create such a magnificent page, but it requires the parents to challenge the script which they have been given yeah absolutely and I think yeah like you say we all have our scripts and they come from somewhere and quite often from parents and then you can trace them back um but I think that's that's really powerful because even if little little Jimmy doesn't go on to be an artist or have have a career that's in art having discovered that outlet is something that he'll then have for you know for his whole life that will allow him to express and process his emotions and I think yeah and I think for a lot of young people for a lot of people that's something that's missing that there isn't an outlet to deal with the confusing sometimes emotions that we have going around inside us and Mm. having an an outlet is so important it's something solid and also it creates the the very real goal or it creates success and clarity over vision, which can never be understated. If a child is being forced into something which he hates doing and he's really not, it's just not his aptitude, he's going to build a very, very strong belief system around getting it right, about betraying himself to follow what he thinks someone else wants him to be. But if he does something that he really loves, then he will gain knowledge over setting goals, maintaining a vision and completing and the feeling of success. And that even if he doesn't go on to become an artist, he will have learned a very, very valuable lesson about life that you stick to something. If it doesn't go wrong, you can come up with creative ways to to move past it because they are enjoying the process so much. It becomes so much easier for them to do that. And they have this wonderful thing that we call resilience and responsibility because they've learned it all, not through being shoved through a bush, something that they hate doing, but they've been doing something that they love doing and they're learning healthy parts of themselves. Yeah, I think that's so important and uh, amazing to talk about and and bring attention to and amazing work that you're doing, working with with young people, with young men, men and women as well. So um, one of the things that I would really like to touch on if that's okay, Mm. is to talk about vulnerability for men Mm. because this is something that we've talked about uh, with a female guest um, a few episodes back. Um, And I think it's something that, you know, even for women, it it can be really difficult to do. But I think there is something sometimes about women that maybe we're slightly more comfortable with our friends getting into that vulnerable space and talking about our emotions. And so obviously, you know, I don't have a male perspective on this so mm. it would be just great if you could talk a little bit about vulnerability in men and what you found sure. working with your clients sure uh, vulnerability in men is is a huge thing at the moment and we're very lucky to live in a world where lots of men are taking up the flag and promoting a message that vulnerability is not it's funny because vulnerability you know it is it is a feeling of weakness, but expressing it is not weakness. Anything that takes courage mm. to express 
cannot be a weakness in the thing in in the way that we think it is. Now, men are programmed very early on. And you mentioned, you know, that women are perhaps a little bit more inclined to speak about their emotions. And I know, like, I never had sisters, but my brother has has daughters. So I see the way that they're brought up. And they're very much brought up in the way of, and the way that they play is far more communicative light in terms mm. of how you're feeling let's go to the doctor surgery are you feeling okay I'm, I'm gonna fix you are you feeling sad don't cry there's all this like constant communication about emotions how do I respond to those emotions what's appropriate do I want someone to feel sad do I feel sad do I feel angry they're always learning about what's appropriate what's not appropriate and how to communicate that now with boys it's quite often that boys will sit with a load of Lego and build a castle. They'll build a gun. They'll build something that works, that is very functional. And when it doesn't go very well, they'll take it all apart and build it up again. They'll also be given a gun because they like to play war games. You know, the, there isn't that encouragement to speak about emotions with young boys. And it's almost like we kind of think, oh, do you know what? They'll figure it out as they do but without teaching them they're simply not going to do that and into adulthood being a man there is still very very deep programming on what a man should be and that word should if anyone listening if you use the word should you've got to stop that now just stop it you should never ever use the word should saying that i'll probably say should somewhere along the rest of this interview and i'll have to catch my <laughs> That's how ingrained it is. Should is loaded with the expectation of somebody else. It is not your expectation. You have heard a message that is fed into you so that when you say, oh, I, I really should go to bed, that's an expectation from someone else that you've learned, probably from a parent as well. So mm. from now on, don't use the word should. It's not yours. So men mm. grow up with this idea of being the protector. And if you look almost everywhere like let's look at films you know men often as the protagonists are not weak they're very powerful their leadership qualities are very strong they're uh, respected they're celebrated they're adored and all they have to do is sort of be quite tall and make tough decisions and talk in a very deep voice <laughs> you know and, and that kind of information just just we we absorb it we're like right this is what a man is a man is strong he is dependable he is a protector he is a provider he is adored by everyone everywhere but life isn't that simple you know we are all incredibly individual and as soon as a man say say we've got a man who's very sensitive you know he he responds on an emotional level to what people say to him but he never tells anyone because he believes that he needs to be the protector and the protector does not share how he feels if that will destabilize the situation or destabilize this identity that has been programmed into him of what he thinks he should be. Now, an identity as well, growing in like teenagers, identity is everything. And I do not know one teenager, you know, apart from my wonderful clients who have left me and gone out to their friends, who will name their emotion and say, do you know what? I was really hurt by what you said. You know, mm. I, I feel quite sad. I'm quite scared. I'm feeling anxious. I can feel it in my body. That isn't encouraged in young men. What is encouraged is to kind of, you know, keep your mouth shut. Don't stand out. Do what your friends are doing. Uh, don't be any different. Just want to make it through this. Like teenage years are like holding on, like white knuckling through a ride, but not telling anyone that you're white knuckling it because no one knows because no one's been taught about emotions. And, and this just continues, you know, these 
these learnt behaviours from childhood, from the messages that we hear them. In fact, the behaviour that's modelled by our parents, my father was always working. Uh, he was certainly, I kind of sensed there was an emotional side of him, but we never communicated emotionally. I communicated emotionally with my mum, but with my dad, he was quite kind of shut off he was like dad works working is good when I'm working working is good so I would uh just work well it's the first time I said to my mum I can't do that I'm working I felt this huge rush of pride you know I was like my dad so and you take that and put it into any family situation whatever is being modeled by the father is gonna be ingrained into the child and then that sense of identity that comes up in childhood where you're kind of like, what fits? Does this fit? Do I want to be this person? Do I want to be the sportsman? Do I want to be the guy who's really good with girls? They don't be work. Maybe I try drinking. Can I be the fun drinking guy or the drug? You know, all this kind of fitting, this puzzle, trying to fit it into one. And all this programming will come in and either settle or conflict. And when it starts to conflict, the self-questioning comes in, the self-doubt. But no one ever says anything. And that's where the danger of vulnerability is to men, because it means opening up and saying something which they feel inside. And it is a big risk to men, because it's walking into the unknown. It's like, well, if I can't be a protector, then what am I? Am I really a man? Can I really stand and be respected? Will anyone like me? Will anyone love me? Will anyone adore me? I want all of these things. And if there's even a slight chance that this won't happen, then I'm not going to say it. And I'm especially not going to say it to another man. And what's happening now, and through the work that I do, I encourage all my men, you know, the young boys, they, they are men already. You know, I don't need to call them young boys, really, to speak their emotions for the first time within the safe space that is a coaching session and just get used to that, you know, so there is no judgment. And they mm. can name these emotions bit by bit. And then with the men, what I do, I do some inner child work where we go back to the child part of him, look where he felt emotions so strongly, but those emotional needs weren't met. So um, a guy's father could have walked away when he was 14. And the little kid was just lost and scared and didn't know how to move forward, but felt this overriding need to protect his mum. So I take my clients back there where they can talk to this little boy. They can ask this little boy, what do you need right now? The little boy can tell him and the adult part of him can give that. This is the integration that I, I work very strongly with in all my sessions when I work with men. With young men, it's not appropriate to do that. So it's very much placed within naming emotions, learning how to communicate them, and then gaining self-confidence and self-esteem. But you'll often find a man, there's one little extra bit, is men love to fix things. We absolutely love being presented with a problem and fixing it, okay? Mental illness isn't tangible. It's not a box. There's nothing to fix. It's not a dishwasher. It's, it's, it's not a... Mm hate player I don't know where that came from but it's it's not fixable because it's not tangible because we can't hold on to it so this just scrambles our brain and again we feel useless men love to have a purpose we love to feel useful at our very basis we want to be of use we are we, we are wonderful tools as it were in many many situations but mental illness presents itself as something completely intangible completely befuddling and it is very hard for a man to admit that to another man mm. there's something uh, as you were saying that about men wanting to fix something it made me think of when I went to see Bill Bailey with my partner and he said about men and women that uh, 
you know, if you have an issue, women want to talk about it and they kind of want to go all around talking about it, but they don't really want a solution. They just want to let it out and just yeah, talk about yeah. it. So then if they talk to a man, he's like, oh, you could do this. They were like, well, no, I don't, I don't want a solution. I just need to talk about it. Whereas yeah. men quite often want to just almost shut themselves away and process it themselves to try and yeah. find a solution. Whereas if a woman is maybe just like, hey, let's talk about it. It's, it's almost, um, yeah, this difference. And my partner found it just spot on for the male experience for him. Yeah. And I was thinking about my conversations with my friends where we're like, well, let's just talk about it for an hour about <laughs> all these different things. Well, and we didn't. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, something that I encourage within my coaching sessions and the retreats is, is an integration of that kind of that feminine energy of like, yes, the masculine energy has a huge amount of uses, but it's only one dimensional, you know, bring in the feminine energy. We've got a little bit, of kind of flu fluidity a little bit of mm. exploration it's not funneled right towards the solution immediately we've got time and we've got play and, and space to kind of explore what's going on and then that fits you know i was talking about congruence that fits magnificently with the man's masculine energy because he can find a solution but it's been expanded upon there's way more options and i this kind of conversational tone is something that I'm always bringing in with my clients of that space to like, we will find a solution. It's there, but right now we're going to talk about you and what's going on with you and get them very used to that communication, that exploration of self where they're not going down that tunnel of must find fix, go, go. <laughs> Cause I find for me personally, when I talk about things and when you try and find the words to explain what you're experiencing, it helps you to to get some clarity and to really kind of formalize what what's going on by by putting it in words whereas mm. if it's all just going around in your head it's hard to kind of grasp what is you know what is really going on and so yeah. that process of having that space and expanding on it sometimes you end up with something that <laughs> feels quite far away from what you started with be like oh yeah that is well, it's a surprise isn't it it's like yeah. wow i didn't think i'd end up there and it yeah. it takes courage to do that as well because within those kind of conversations if we're bringing in the masculine the feminine energy like the the man in question may well hear something that will contradict of how he views himself now a man has a very clear choice now he can put his barriers up and reject that bit of cognitive dissonance of anything that that conflicts with what i believe about myself i will merely just push away as as being un, untrue and something i do within my sessions is by challenging and that we do in the wider group work around the retreats if someone says something and they kind of get a bit like what's going on like what are you feeling right now what are the sensations and then when they say those wonderful words of I feel I feel really vulnerable like I feel like I feel like you're going to judge me I feel like if if this is right then what the hell do I do how do I move forward from this and that's the growth because that's a man saying I don't know how to fix this and the longer we spend inside our heads I can guarantee you the longer you spend inside your head thinking about something it is going to be about a thousand billion million times worse than it actually is and it takes up so much energy like do yourselves a favor today to say it, speak, whatever's going on inside your head. Like, give it some space because you need a break. Yeah. <laughs> and I think something that is, I think, so valuable with what, with what you're doing, um, particularly with men's mental health, is like you said, that 
if it's something that's not really talked about and the patterning and the programming that they're getting from their parents is not really to talk about it, you almost have to learn that it's okay to talk about it and to see examples of people talking about it and have that space to feel like it's okay. And what I hope is that that there is that change starting to happen in society where men are starting to be more open about what they're going through and that for the younger generations coming through that it will be more acceptable in their yeah. in their social be, circles to yeah it'll be totally normalized in the way that i hope mental health is is normalized within yeah. a conversation that no one will bat an eyelid if they say i i suffer from you know i have bpd or um mm-hmm. i i have mild schizophrenia you know whatever it is people won't go oh my god whoa what what same with with yeah. men like I feel, you know, I feel quite vulnerable at the moment. It's like, oh, not, yeah, okay, okay, well, let's talk about that. I'm here if you want to talk about it, you know? Yeah, and I, you know, I hope that that is the direction we're going in. And I think there have been now more high profiles, if you like, men who are starting to talk about what they've experienced. So the one that comes to mind is Prince Harry and, um, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that he's talked about. And yeah, I think hopefully we're <laughs> moving in the right direction, but there we is are. still. And anyone can create change, you know, absolutely anyone. I mean, for any, if there's a man listening now and you're like, oh, I want I want to be part of the change, you can do that by talking to a fellow man and say, how are you? And they say, I'm fine. I go, yeah, but what, what's what's fine? Like, what what's, what's really going on? You know, listen to that intuition that everyone has. And you most certainly have. And dig a little deeper. Let someone know that you're there for them. Why not take the lead? say when they say i'm fine you can say yeah i'm i'm feeling a little a little like odd i feel a bit a bit vulnerable like a bit sensitive like do you know what that's like you know start a conversation because what's happening most importantly within the men's space and it's great that high profile people have come forward but what really matters is the boots on ground guy and i'm very lucky to have co-founded a group on facebook called men helping men and um, it's amazing to see all the guys there engaged and they lead by example. They let all the newcomers know that it's all right to be sensitive, to feel like they're, they're experiencing weakness. You know, all these flaws and, 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 and conflicting ideals of what a man is, it's, it's all okay. Like, we're all human. Mm. I think there's something really powerful in that idea of if you can sense that there's something not quite right with someone and because it can be such a big step to be vulnerable almost doing it first like you said saying oh I'm kind of feeling this because you're showing them that it's okay to reach out this okay to have those those feelings and I think there's also something within friendship that's quite powerful that we all want to be a good friend and support our friends and we kind of feel quite good when we've helped someone and we've been there for them so it kind of gives you a boost helping your friends being kind is yeah. is amazing like i w- it's gonna sound like i'm just picking random things out of the air but i went to a kindness conference and there was a doctor there mm-hmm. saying you know if you if you spend sort of five minutes being of service to someone with no agenda no expectation of anything back for them if you are kind to them then it literally gives your body a dopamine a serotonin it boosts your immune systems for seven hours afterwards you know all these wonderful actual physiological changes in your body mm-hmm. right? and it's it's being of service, you know, being selfless. Someone, if, if I'm in a depressive episode, which, you know, I do have depression, I'm a man who experiences mental health difficulties from time to time, then I always be of service to someone because it takes me out of me, makes me concentrate on someone else, and it just 
feels good. Mm. And I suppose if you're you know, talking about what you're experiencing and giving them the chance to see that and help you, even if they don't feel comfortable at that time being vulnerable and expressing, then hopefully they're still going to get that dopamine hit. So you're still going to help yeah. them in a way. Um, yeah, and it plants a seed. You know, people yeah. you know, lead by example and people will follow. There's, there's thousands of members in the group who came and they lurked. And then they came up and they commented, it's like, I've been in this group for a while. Uh, mm. I've never said anything, but I feel like now's the time where I say this. And then they open up and they get raw and they get honest because the seed's been planted and there's been a safe space. But one thing I always say about being vulnerable is be, be kind of intelligent around it. Like mm. if you feel you need to get drunk and talk about it, possibly that's not the right time because I've been there myself and often like, go on a night out our inhibitions will be low we'll end up saying something which is a little bit too much information then we'll wake up the next morning and feel ashamed of what this person might think of us and that's what you want to avoid so pick pick somewhere where you're preferably sober and you're you're level-headed that is safe and then say something you don't need to say it all but you can just name an emotion and put it out there yeah and I think there is something about that taking time to feel safe and that almost testing the waters with something small and seeing how that is received and if that is held by the other person and and it still feels safe at the end then you have that confidence of actually I can maybe put myself out there more and it is gonna be okay yeah and men like any men listening you're like rolling your eyes at everything I've said I'm gonna say something <laughs> gonna make your eyes roll even further is men need to be held as well. You know, we we are not infallible. We are not undefeatable. You know, we need time where we can have our own sanctuary and be safe. For me, it's with my dog or with my partner. I love being Little Spoon. She's much smaller than me, so she has to <laughs> clamber onto my back. But I, you know, I have an emotional need to be held when I feel vulnerable. And I name that to, to Joe. I say, Joe, do you know what? I'm actually feeling really, I feel like a little boy right now. She's like, are you okay? Yeah, I feel really vulnerable. Can you, can you hold me? And then she holds me. You know, it's no risk to my masculinity. It just, it improves my self-identity that I am, I am a strong man because I can ask for this and I can receive love, but I'm also really compassionate towards my emotional needs, which is a kind of a, a toolkit that, a lot of men don't have because they simply don't know that it's acceptable to do that which it is guys it's absolutely acceptable mm, absolutely and I think and you've mentioned this earlier as well but that that key thing that's really important is that asking for what you need and being vulnerable is not a sign of weakness it takes so much courage to take that step and it is not weakness in any way for anyone who is reaching out for help that is takes so much courage and I think people really need to to hear that message that actually taking that step is not weakness you are not weak if you ask for help no absolutely not and it's terrifying when you do it like and again mm. anyone listening like it's, it's it's not it's not an intuitive thing to do to begin with it's pretty like why would I want to do that <laughs> but yeah. it gets 
much easier. And in fact, the more that the energy that we put into resisting saying what we're feeling is so strong that it's like it just sticks inside our heads and the problem becomes way bigger than it actually is. And we just drain all our energy in the resistance. And I can guarantee you on the other side of that resistance is freedom, is liberation, is happiness, is everything that you feel you might be missing. That's the start. Get, getting vulnerable in a safe space and meeting your emotional needs, that's the start to your transformation. Amazing. Thank you for that. So I have some standard questions that I ask everyone. So I'm um, <laughs> just dive in. So uh, there's a couple. Um, I've got a couple of buzzwords that I talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. there's a few questions around those. So my first one, I talk a lot about joy. Mm-hmm. And, and finding joy in life um and so my question to you is what always boosts your mood kind of what brings you joy in your mm. life water without water. a doubt water i absolutely love like i love i had a, I had a spiritual awakening through water mm-hmm. where i was going through a uh there's fear around my own mortality and you know what death meant and the impermanence of life and all this stuff and then I just looked out on from Hammersmith Bridge. So I'm, you know, I live in London and the light, sunlight was just twinkling off the surface of the water. And intuitively under, I understood that when we die, we become energy and that energy is merely transferred. Yes, I, I lose like this identity of Henry, but it doesn't end. There is something within me that is transferred. And from that moment onward, just I will stop wherever I am and enjoy twinkling sunlight on water and I'll just sit by water for I was gonna swear then for <laughs> hours and and meditate I that because it's flow you know it is mm-hmm. I am part of that which flows and that makes me feel like I am part of something that is greater than me something so soothing about water I, I'm a proper water baby although no, I, I try and get in it as much as I can no. <laughs> rather than just sitting by it yeah love the water (laughs) so my next question is what makes life meaningful for you being of service to others without a doubt that is where I find my meaning you know if I be having I mean I haven't haven't spoken about my story and it's, it's not important to do that but having been through what I have been through I am there's no other choice for me in my life you know I have to make meaning from that all that darkness I want to turn it into light so I help people who are in that same space turn their lives into light or I act as an intervention for those people so that their lives don't have to go into darkness. Like I could die very happy knowing that I've been of service out of love, out of compassion, out of kindness for other people. That's amazing. And when I first started the podcast, I did an episode about my why and I'd come to the same realization for myself that when I wasn't feeling happy and fulfilled I guess was because I wasn't doing something of service and that that is Mm. integral to to my life to my sense of identity to my sense of feeling yeah yeah fulfilled or complete or whatever so yeah I really resonate with that that idea of um of service right yeah yeah it does it's something that it's almost feels selfish in a way sometimes because you're getting such a buzz out of it as well so I guess it's it's not up to us really is it like we can only serve with intention whatever whatever ripples come from that they're out of our control but they come from a loving place yeah absolutely 
So uh, one of the things on the podcast, and we are taking um, more of a turn uh, as the series goes on into mental health and talking about mental health experiences, which is mm-hmm. what we've sort of touched on. But I also talk about this idea of mental wellness, because a lot of people who are listening will have had or know someone who's had a period of mental ill health. But we all have a mental world and we can all think about looking after ourselves mentally and our mental wellness. That's my view anyway. (laughs) But my question is, yeah, my question is, what does mental wellness mean to you? And how do you look after your own mental well-being? So mental wellness means hope for me. It means hope that there's something always around the corner, that what I have in my life is leading to, is is hope, that it feels good, that I feel content. Mental well-being is feeling fun and having fun and feeling a bit playful and not taking things ever so seriously because I'm an adult living an adult life. I believe that we, are, that we all have inner children that deserve the right to play in whatever situation they are. It's motivation, getting out of bed in the morning, doing something which is meaningful to me. And to maintain all of that, I make sure that I have a support network around me and that I regularly express and receive love. It's one of my gifts that I can give love, and I've had it ever since I was a boy. And my God, I tried to extinguish that light. I really did. But I I did not, and I do not condemn continuing today so I tell people I love them without agenda without any expectation I show love I show compassion and I do things that make me feel happy you know and by doing that by proxy people around me feel happier as well because I am my best self Hmm. do you um tell your male friends that you love them as well oh god every day I yeah I've uh, met people, you know, been speaking to them for 10 minutes and then I feel the love and I'm like, sorry, just got to stop saying, I love you. <laughs> and then we move on. They're like, okay, I'm like, don't worry. I don't expect anything back, but I just needed to tell you that. Yeah. But every, every day, you know, mm. I let, you know, I'm very lucky to have my mum and dad are still alive. I've been through mm-hmm. hell with them and I tell them that I love them. Very, there are very few exceptions to that. You know, there are some professional boundaries that I like to keep there. I don't tell my clients that I love them. Mm. But um, my friends, the, the people that I, I love in my life, they're the, mm. it's almost like I could die tomorrow and no one would be in any doubt about how I felt about them. Mm. Yeah, I ask because every time I talk to my friends and then, you know, if we hang up and say goodbye or in person, we always say, I love you again because you don't know you know what could happen and, and that you want them to know and it's just you know it's nice to hear or to share and anytime yeah. I speak to or see my parents I you know say it to them it like, feels yeah, good I, to express yeah professionally I, I don't because I'm not sure that would go down <laughs> yeah we, we do have to draw a line somewhere with appropriateness but yeah. um it, it's great talking to a guy you know who doesn't say I love you and then talk to him and then before I can say it he'll say it and I'm like mm. oh thanks so much yeah. buddy I love you too and then it's just really lovely and it's a little bit awkward because they're like we just told each other that we love each other what does it mean <laughs> ah! but then yeah. it's absolutely fine <laughs> <And> it just <laughs> but that's the, that's the playfulness you know awesome so one of my other big buzzwords uh, is mindset because I think our our outlook on life you know the way we view things um has such a big impact on how we feel how we process the world so could you if you can describe your mindset go big go bold 
be fearless absolutely without a doubt like i have nothing to lose i can only be as big as i dream that i can be and you know growing up with dyslexia and adhd i have quite a low perception of danger or of impossibility so i can just dream big and i do i go big i I throw ideas out there and I follow them to their fruition. If they work, then great. If they don't, then they weren't the right thing to me. So why can't I change the face of mental health through creativity? Why can't I coach men and boys? There's no reason why I can't. So I have and I do. And at the moment, I'm making big strides towards changing the face of mental health treatment in the UK. A lot of a lot of uh, pokers in a lot of fires. I really like that. Go big. Go big. Yeah. Go bold. Dream big. Why not? Why not? Why not? So I always ask guests when they when they come on if they can leave listeners with between one and three strategies that they can put in place in their life that are gonna have a big impact, that are going to possibly help them to manage their mental health or um be more vulnerable or you know, in any way that you want to think about it. But one to three strategies that you would suggest people put in place. Okay, so the first one is if you've heard the word vulnerability and you're like, oh, I don't know how to do that. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. So you've got the fear. What I suggest is if you've got a dog or a cat or a hamster, you know full well, as I do, that you talk to them with vulnerability. You are so much more likely to tell them what's going on with you, how you feel. So I want you to continue doing that. Get familiar with the language that you use and recognize that you are being vulnerable in the presence of another being, to be comfortable with that. The next stage of that is to recognize that feeling, because you know how it feels, and root yourself in that feeling when you decide to express something vulnerable that you feel to another human being. You want to be in that safe space where you are embodying how you feel and you're not worried about judgments there's there's two things one that will lead on really well from the other and a third one is you are creative if you're struggling a little bit and like you find your your thoughts racing you're spending a lot of time inside your head just do something that's a little bit different even if that's going out into nature looking at it and it sounds so simple you're gonna be like henry stop patronizing me but this stuff works it is these things don't need to be overthought about or overthought they are incredibly simple and incredibly effective. You are a human being. Your ancestors have spent billions of years wandering around, marveling at nature. So I'm simply asking you to do the same. Engage a little bit of imagination. Maybe if you want, get a pen or a pencil and scribble something and then scribble some more and then screw it up and throw it in the bin and then scribble what that felt like to screw it up and throw it in the bin and then do and follow it all around. If you want to get paints on your hands and smear paint all over your kitchen and then present to your wife that, look what I made, honey, it's a painting, then do that. <laughs> Whatever it takes, get yourself out of where you were into where you could be somewhere free, somewhere open and allow yourself to do that because you're worth it. Amazing. Thank you for the, for those uh, those tips. And I maybe won't smear paint all over my kitchen, but definitely oh, going to think okay. about... Well, I know what I'm doing tonight anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we rent, so they might not be so pleased. So the like your look- artwork, Anna. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um, but I definitely... Um, going to think about yeah being creative and and how I can uh, 
add more of that into my life and and channel how I'm feeling through that. So thank you for that reminder. So the last thing, and I think you've mentioned a couple of things that you've got going on online already, but how can people connect with you if they'd like to get in touch or they'd like to know more about what you're doing? So if you're if you're a man that and I'm talking men from age of 24 upward, then head over to kingsforge.co.uk. That's the word kings, K-I-N-G-S and forge, F-O-R-G-E. That's my main coaching page with my metalwork retreats. And you'll get more of an idea of how I work, how long the programs last for, what the retreat looks like, the kind of things you can make on the retreat. And that's how you kind of book me for all my sessions. If you're a parent and you want to know what, what I can do for your son and you want to see sort of something which is more my website then head over to henryjohnston.uk and that will give you a, a far better view of, of who I am awesome and we can put links in the show notes for sure. that as yeah. well and um, if you could just remind listeners the name of your Facebook group that you have for men as well so the Facebook group is called men helping men mental health growth and manhood and for anyone heading there, please, please um, answer the questions because we can't let anyone in if they don't answer the questions. And it makes our lives a lot easier as admins. <laughs> yeah, it's really <laughs> short. Just answer them and, and you can come in and meet me and all the wonderful guys that are there. And also my my podcast, which is going under a name change, which won't happen in sort of until March, but it's the Mental Health Empowerment network which you can find across all the places where podcasts are amazing well thank you so much henry for joining us on the podcast and for talking about men mental health vulnerability creativity everything it's been absolute pleasure, Hannah. yeah it's been great and i think for for women listening who have a man in their life they care about or even for women listening thinking about themselves i think there are some amazing messages that apply to everybody um yeah. And I would encourage listeners, if they are listening to this and there is a man in their life they care about who is maybe struggling a little bit, maybe to share this with them so that they can can listen to it. I'm always, always up for conversations. You know, I am not one of these coaches who will try and funnel you into some kind of paying program. That's not me. That's not what I do. I am always about service from a loving place. So if you have any questions, find me, reach out to me, we'll have a chat. Amazing. Great. Thank you so, so much and enjoy the rest of your day. I will do. Thank you, Hannah. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you again to Henry for joining me um, for this conversation. I really enjoyed delving into this topic and it's something that I think is so important to have conversations around. And I just really wanted to finish with, I guess, a little advert, um, but also links to Henry's mindset the the go big go bold and I've been thinking about branching out from just the podcast and coaching to this idea of having a live face-to-face workshop event and I finally this week feeling inspired from conversations such as the one you've just listened to to actually make that leap and organize an event and so I'm really excited to say that on the 3rd of May in Bradford-on-Avon in Wiltshire, I'm doing a full day wellbeing workshop, which is focused on the relationship that you have with yourself. It's about reconnecting with yourself, becoming more self-aware, more connected to yourself, to your body and to your mind, and starting to do some of the 
the inner work to to really figure out who you are again because I think it's so easy to get out of touch with who you are to feel a little bit like you've lost the sense of who you are a little bit stuck a little bit adrift and I think also so many of us are just out of touch with our with our feelings with our emotions and maybe don't love ourselves or even like ourselves the that the relationship we have with ourselves the way we feel about ourselves I think so often can be very negative and there's something I mentioned before about trying to treat yourself like a friend and I think sometimes we just don't do that so this is a whole day with some yoga some meditation some relaxation and a workbook to go through with lots of guided activities support and opportunities to connect with yourself reflect connect with other people, support each other and come out feeling a much greater sense of who you are, where you are, where you're heading and you'll feel grounded and uplifted at the same time. So yeah, check that out. You can visit our website www.psykepsykhe.co.uk to find out more about that or via Psyche Coaching on Facebook and there's a link to the event. So yeah, check that out and uh, I think it's such a good reminder that Henry gave about go big be bold just why can't why can't you achieve what you want to and I talk a bit about experimental living about just giving it a go and sometimes my own fear my own worries hold me back from actually fully doing that so I think it's really great to have these reminders that that our guests offer about just giving things a go and just seeing what happens. So that's what I'm doing. I'm doing this live event. If you are local, if it's something that you think you would benefit from, we would love to see you there. Or if you're listening to this and there's someone that you know who would benefit from it, then please do share it with them. 